0: Hey friends, Cable here, and this week's podcast is proudly brought to you by my friends over at Kent Cartridge. Uh, I've got a man. I've got a lot of history with this brand, going back to my college days when I was waiting tables just to fund my duck hunting addiction. That's when I first discovered Kent, and uh, I'd messed around with other brands, cheaper brands, and literally watched the pellets bounce off of greenheads. heads. Uh, I found Kent, and I fell in love. And nothing's changed over the last 20 years, except for, well, I'd say Fast Deal 2.0 is even better than the original, and Kent offers a premium shell at a sub-premium price. Check it out. It's Fast Deal 2.0, you can find it at your local retailer. Howdy, everybody. This week's podcast also brought to you by Spartan Forge. Born and more, Spartan Forge was conceived while targeting terrorists Think about that. Targeting bad guys during deployments in support of the global war on terror. We can also use this technology because of its similarities to track mature bucks. Now it's time to get this analysis into your hands. It's military-based intelligence, next-generation mapping. I absolutely love it. And I love the people behind Spartan Forge. They're like me. Second Amendment till the day we die. No exceptions. America first. Spartan Forge. Check it out by downloading the app today. We are It's gunmetal gray. Howdy, 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 everybody. Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 649 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thanks for being here today. Got a great show lined up for you. I'll tell you all about it momentarily. But first, it is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors and all that implies with you fine folks. Uh, so thanks for making a point to tune in this week. I do appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, hopefully you got to put your butt in a tree stand this week. I, I actually had my first whitetail sit of the season. It's, um, well, it was just, man, we just were dragging ass getting our, our property in Oklahoma set up. A uh, new place and my buddy and I didn't get access to it until well like basically september 1st and then i was dove hunting and then uh, josh went to colorado and i went to wyoming to do uh archery elk and it's just one thing after another life soccer you know kids soccer so we finally got it set up mid-october and uh, this week i enjoyed my first sit saw lots of deer uh, nothing that really struck my fancy as far as a shooter is concerned but it's always great to experience the sights and sounds of the whitetail woods. No doubt about that. Um, oh, and also uh, went dove hunting over the weekend and didn't find a lot, but I took my father in law uh, and the new pup, and I think we ended up with six birds between the two of us. Uh, so uh, it's good to get out and get the, the dog some work. Uh, anyway, what are we doing today? Let me tell you, you know what to do pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pull yourself another cup of that Black Rifle Coffee out of granddaddy's beat-up, old Stanley Thermos, because we are ready to rock and roll. And joining us for the duration is, uh well, he's a real-life American hero, former Marine Corps sniper, a passionate hunter as well, and uh, one of the main folks over at Black Rifle Coffee, Logan Stark, will be here. And we've got a myriad of topics to get into, things that... Might be a little bit off the beaten path for us. Like, um, I don't know, hunting humans, for example, uh, versus hunting animals. And, uh, hey, what's up with uh, these military guys and, and all of these tattoos? Like, why do they do that? Uh, does, does anyone ever ask him that? I don't know. He might punch me in the face. We'll find out. <laughs> but, uh, no, Logan Stark will be here, and we have got a ton to get into. Uh, the The documentary that he made while in college after serving in the military uh that's seen uh seven plus million views on youtube so we'll talk about for the 25 uh, which is the name of that film as well so a lot to get into today with logan who uh, was nice enough to make the trek down from or up from san antonio so that's what we're gonna do uh, let's knock out a quick giveaway here, and since Logan's in studio, uh, it's going to be, of course, a Black Rifle giveaway, and we're going to include three bags of your favorite ground coffee, a uh, a Yeti coffee mug, a cap, and a Black Rifle coffee t-shirt as well. Uh, so just email the word, how about, let's do Second Amendment today, uh, since uh, Black Rifle, you know, they've taken some heat for... Being anti-Second Amendment. And we dove into that on a previous podcast with Andy Stumpf, completely unwarranted. Of course, Black Rifle Coffee is unapologetically pro-Second Amendment, and just email Second Amendment. That's it. It's Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com, and you are entered into today's Black Rifle Coffee giveaway. Let's knock out that break. Up next, Logan Stark joins us in studio on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. now. It's all flashes now. The smoking memory that
1: as the grave it was just about three when the warden with his key came to set me free they gave me five dollars and a secondhand suit a pistol and a hat and a worn out blue so I took the bus down to the Rio Grande and I shot a man down on the edge of town then I stole me a horse and I rode it around till the sheriff pulled me in and he set me down he said you make no mistake I know
0: Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thanks for being here. Uh, We are all set to get down to it with Logan Stark, former Marine Corps uh, sniper, and uh, currently I don't know what his job title is these days. He was the editor-in-chief over at Black Rifle Coffee. I think uh, he's even taken on more responsibility, or maybe he has minions now that uh, do his bidding for him. He like runs a team of folks. But anyway, he's the OG of all of their creative content, and uh, he's here in studio. This segment, though, is brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'm a proud member, and I'd encourage you to uh, think about joining our ranks, because I'll be honest with you, there's there's good organizations out there, but none do as much to protect your rights as a hunter as a conservationist, as a sportsman or woman, than SCI. They do it both domestically and internationally. For more information, head over to safariclub.org. We'd love to have you. With that being said, Logan Stark here in studio. It's great to meet you, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Quick little Dallas trip. Yeah. It's my pleasure to have you in studio. Uh, First of all, thanks for your service. Of course. It was my pleasure.
1: Uh, So where are you from originally? Uh, originally a Michigan boy, so I grew up in a small town, Greenville, Michigan, uh, which if you can't even really call it a claim to fame, I don't think. But uh, Frigidaire, the refrigerator company, yeah. so uh, it was converted during World War II into mm. a glider factory, and my grandma was actually
0: a riveter, huh. so she was like the old uh, old Rosie poster. <laughs> that was my grandma. Awesome. So from there, but you live in Texas now. Yeah. So, yeah. but I mean, there's a lot more to your life than before you ended up here, but how do you like Texas?
1: I'm, I'm such a big fan. I think, I think I'm a Texas at heart. I just, it just took me uh, 32 years to figure it out. really. Right um, but between the people and the culture here, it, it has a different feeling to it. Um, and it's a little bit slower in pace, which after, you know, some of the stuff that's happened in my life and wanting to just have something stable mm-hmm. uh it fit me really well so i don't really plan on
0: going anywhere anytime soon right and you're just outside of san antonio
1: yep just outside of san antonio and bernie uh so you it, have
0: access to your runaround? around
1: yeah access all over the neighborhood whitetail all oh, over the neighborhood so awesome. uh the feeder cam uh is never boring i'll say that so
0: what about your do you have an hoa are they do they frown upon smacking uh, them with bows do you do you have the hoa um but you're Totally good to bow hunt in your backyard. Nice. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Cool. Um, so, what was appealing about becoming a sniper? Like when you decided to join the military. Yeah, and you can go into as much detail as you want. But um, why a sniper? So I
1: originally I just was like I'm going to do infantry, mm-hmm. um, and then I started getting into the weeds on on what that was. And basically, when you go uh, the infantry track in the Marine Corps you everybody goes through the same first 4 weeks of training and then you get to potentially select a different secondary MOS that you can do um and I had a buddy who was like hey he became a mortarman and he's like I would kind of recommend looking at these secondary MOSs as um typically they're a little bit harder uh so the guys that you're around are a little bit different they're a little bit more into what you're doing um so I, I started looking at them. There's four different ones. There's a tow gunner, assaultman, uh, machine gunner, and um mortarman. Mm-hmm. And assaultman is like I started looking into it and it's breaching demolitions, rocket launchers. I was like, This is rad. This <laughs> is right up my alley. And it was it was a little bit more studious. You had to, you know, be able to do formulas on standoff and and all that stuff. So I was so I did that as a secondary MOS but typically an assault man gets attached to a normal line company. Uh, But when I got to the fleet, I got put in a weapons company, which is mounted. So we were in Humvees to start and I basically just became like a dismount. And Mm. so I didn't do anything that I had trained to do. So I was a little disappointed initially by my positioning within that, but I was really lucky to have this really awesome mentor, uh, Lieutenant Cassidy, who he was a Fallujah vet. He had, been awarded the silver star for his actions and flew. He was just a phenomenal Marine and he kind of just took me under his wing on my first deployment. First deployment was, uh, the 15th Mew, which is, you know, you leave San Diego in a boat and mm-hmm. you go all over ended up in Kuwait and that whole deployment for me essentially turned into a lot of PT and figuring out how to become a sniper so it was just like he he gave me the whole guidebook right out of the gate got back from that first deployment and i did the sniper in uh if you've ever seen um heartbreak ridge mm-hmm. with clint eastwood right all the area that they filmed that that's where i did my sniper in-doc. Oh, Wow, cool! and it's you know hell. the word hell week gets kind of thrown around a lot but it's basically a, a modified hell week where like your chow is limited your sleep is limited and you're just expected to learn a lot. Like every definition within the sniper handbook you have to memorize within that week. Mm -hmm. It's a very rigorous selection process. And I was one of, I think eight of us made it through that, that first selection process. And I was like, this is, this is all I want to do. And it's really cool because the scout sniper program army has scouts and snipers. It's two different MOSs. the Marine Corps combined that. So, it's more difficult and it's a different type of uh, job track because the way that we operate is we, we kind of get loaned out typically to mm. different companies or you're just completely independent. Of, so like literally a
0: contract killer. Yeah, <laughs> like, more or less
1: it's um, it's basically like, hey, we need long range capabilities. So yeah you know, you show up and sometimes it's two of you going, sometimes it's four of you going, sometimes it's a section, which is about 10 guys. Um, and, and that was always different, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. Like I, I like not knowing what the next thing is going to be. And like, if I, the mission is always different. And I, and I just love that. And you have to rely on yourself. You know, when you're out with two guys in combat, like there's a lot that can go wrong. And I, I like that I, mm-hmm. I like the more dangerous the the harder elements of what you can get to in the military and
0: that was after that in doc I was like this is all I want to do in the Marine Corps I watched your six-minute bio on the black rifle website the footage that you guys get now while you're deployed is pretty incredible and are you so are you guys able to just like take out your cell phone and like just video whatever you want or is there protocol
1: yeah it was really interesting so you know my my afghanistan deployment was 2010 uh-huh. to the beginning of 2011 and it was right at that weird area where gopros had just started coming out mm-hmm. and there really wasn't any regulations that had come down from the DOD about capabilities of using these cameras right so it was GoPro 3 was was the model that we had right. and so all of, a whole bunch of guys had point and shoot cameras and Gopros and we were like we can capture all of this stuff so i kind of took it upon myself to not only film what what we were doing but i was the guy that was every time because we would bounce around all these different places yeah i would just go around to different dudes and i would uh i'd scoop up their hard drives and i would transfer everything and and I don't really remember why I was doing that Why I was there. Um, it was just because it was so crazy, like the insanity of what we were doing and, you know, a 10 gun runs and mortars and like, you name it as far as weapons application, it was happening on that deployment. And I was just in awe of everything we were doing on a daily basis. And I was, I was just like, we, we, I knew that that deployment was unique and Mm -hmm. I knew it was different. And I was like, I kind of took it upon myself to be a guy that would would have all that and and be a be an archivist of sort and I didn't really have any intention of doing anything with it. Right. And then I got to I went to Michigan State after I got out and I ended up doing this course there that was kind of like a multimedia track and this is 2013, 2014, so like Facebook had just kind of hit that point where they they started to monetize it, mm-hmm. and uh, the capabilities of what you could do with that, the reach that you could get with that type of media was like really exploding. Then. Yeah, and YouTube was kind of the same way. And I had this six month class, which you never get six months to do one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like w- hardly anybody has that. Like we're such a quick ADD type of society now. So I was like, I had a couple other people in the project with me. I was like, hey. I have all of this combat footage Mm -hmm. and like, I want to do something with it, you know? And I was, I was wrestling with a whole bunch of demons then. And like, I needed to process all of that.
0: And I want to point out, like you've come back from war. You've seen and done things that most people can't even imagine. And now you're in a classroom with 18 year old kids. Yeah. It sucked to maturity level. And I know this because first of all, I was that 18 year old kid and then Mm -hmm. I was, I didn't have the, the stuff that you'd gone through, but I took a year and a half off from school, changed from a private school to a state school, and so all my prereqs changed. And I was 25 years old in a class with 18-year-old kids, and I was retaking freshman English because at Baylor I made a D in it. When I transferred <laughs> yeah. to a state school, Ds don't transfer, so I had to retake it. And I just was looking at these kids. I was just like, God, I was an idiot. Yeah, and I can't imagine, like, you're sitting in this class with – all of these things you've done—this baggage, demons, yeah. a different perspective on the world—with just a bunch of immature kids. Yeah, it. Not knocking it, you, kids. I was there too. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and I I did a year of of college before I went into the Marine Corps, and but that was what led me and was a big part of the desire to do that because I was like. All I'm doing is around a group of people that want to do nothing but party on a daily basis, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't really get that fulfilling part of life out of it, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um. So you make the film, and who? so who are the 25? So the, because this film now has over 7 million
1: views on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, something like that. It's crazy because it just keeps on chugging Um, eight years later or whatever it's been. But <clears throat> so... For the 25, is it's essentially a memorial film told by uh, myself and a few other guys that was, were in my platoon scout snipers. And it, <clears throat> I, I traveled across the country for this project and I interviewed them. And it, we kind of go through the before, what we were expecting to get into, the during and all this combat footage and, and where we were um, what three years after when it was filmed and it was just raw man it it was gritty and it was a perspective that the american public
0: really hadn't seen before Do you know what stood out for me was the idea that because you guys were in an area that like the british had deserted in part of the film and the idea that every time you took a step you might blow up yeah that yeah. kind of i i would describe it as fear like but i guess once you get there and are living it every day you get desensitized to it In a way. Yes. Um,
1: psychologically
0: it has a huge effect on you. Um, and you know, we all deal with fear differently because the British left. And so then the Afghanis just set IEDs everywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the British had sustained a third of their total casualties in the Afghan conflict in Sangin, the area that we were in Uh and they didn't, we, we took over for them, but the, the standard operating procedures that they had was to not patrol um, because the ID threat was so bad. So in doing that, the, we were in a Valley. So the springtime, like you don't have visibility past 200 yards anywhere. Mm -hmm. So all of these Afghans and Taliban were able to get really close to our, our fobs and put IDs super close. My first patrol that I went on, I was in this cornfield, and the rest of the patrol was ahead, and I just see this giant explosion. And there's, like, air panels way up in the air and papers, and I'm like, I don't, and I can't see what just happened, but I, we know it's bad. And we get up there, and Ian Tawney had lost both his legs, and he was sitting in a in an irrigation ditch, and this other guy, Gallegos, was on the other side. He had lost his arm, and so we pulled him out of the creek, and, and then did security as we called in the medevac um and prior to that day of that first patrol like i had lost a really good friend justin kane to a vehicle id and so within those first two days like it was on like mm. we had already lost five guys well wow. in the in the first week and it didn't really slow down for the next three
0: months mm, man that is intense logan let's do this we'll, we'll take a quick break here uh, we'll come back, and <laughs> it's not going to get any less intense because we're going to talk about the difference between hunting humans versus animals and uh, which caliber you prefer for the former. Uh, that segment of the show proudly brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy and Big and J Whitetail Attractants. An entire palette of Big and J showed up at the house this week, so uh, I'm good to go and here's the thing if you want to attract big bucks, check out that BB squared. Uh, they actually sent the apple scented BB squared this time. Haven't tried that one yet, but the uh, original is my go to. I'm sure this will be even better with that uh, rich apple aroma. Uh, Henry did smell it though, and pretty sure I caught him taking a bite. But check it out. You can find their entire lineup of whitetail attractants at bigandj.com. or you can just get it at Walmart. Uh, it's everywhere. We'll be right back with more from Logan Stark the on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Done,
1: done, done she doesn't notice the things that I take for granted were my own to give my own to give and take.
0: She don't break, she don't sing. It's time to tell you about Protect products veteran owned and made in the usa protect makes your water work harder for you in the field they have a hydration electrolyte formula for endurance and replenishment it's perfect for elk hunting right Uh, energy formula for when you need an extra kick immunity for optimizing the immune system and one of my favorites the rest formula to ensure deep sleep and proper recovery all the formulas are liquid so they mix instantly in your water bottle or camelback and the cool thing is they don't gunk them up like a powder with that messy residue. They also have an easy-to-use line of mineral sunscreen for quick and odorless application and all-day protection in the field. For more info, head over to Protect.com to see their entire lineup. That's Protect, P-R-O-T-E-K-T, hey guys, Cable here for Cryo and More, the one-stop feel-good shop in McKinney, Texas. I've been going there for over a year now. All your holistic healing needs with cold, heat, and compression therapy services. And these services, they're the fastest way that I've found to reduce inflammation and to get to the root cause of pain. You don't need to be in pain, though, in order to benefit from these services. Cryotherapy helps with burning calories, optimizing sleep, boosting energy, and much more. I can tell you that's true because I feel like a brand new man every time I get out of the cryo chamber. Uh, Plus, compression therapy helps promote healthy blood flow. Come in any time before 1 o'clock, 1 p.m. Monday through Saturday. Say the words cold outdoors and you'll get $10 off your cryo session. That's cryoandmore.com. I'm
1: going to run to come carry. Ain't no one going to find me.
0: There's a jam right there. That is Goodnight, Texas, Tucumcari, little town in New Mexico that I'm all too familiar with. Uh, passed through there. Actually stayed there a couple times on my way to various uh, fly fishing or elk hunting camps in the land of enchantment. Anyway, I'm Cable Smith, and this is SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thanks for being here today. As we've still got former Marine Corps scout sniper and black rifle coffee's Logan Stark here in studio. Much more to get into with Logan, but first this segment is brought to you by Mossberg Firearms and the Patriot rifle lineup. The Patriot comes in everything from a 22250 all the way up to a 375 Ruger. You want a classy walnut stock? They got you covered. You prefer synthetic? No problem. Got you there too. Here's the cool thing. All the barrels come threaded throughout the entire lineup. Check it out. It's the Patriot. You can find it at mossberg.com. All right. Uh well Logan, thanks for sticking around. Um I did want to ask you, and this is probably a little a little morbid to be honest, but when it comes to hunting animals, you know, we aim for the vitals typically or or the front shoulder. If it's a you know a big buck or a trophy bowl or something you want to break that front shoulder take their four-wheel drive out but uh, especially with bow hunting we're aiming for the vitals you know the vital organs when it comes to hunting humans is it more of a trying to thump them in the noggin like headshots only or um, explain that what is the sniper's mentality for a clean kill shot um sometimes it's it's
1: kind of what you take what you can get right Uh and also situation kind of dictates what's going on, how far away you are, yada, yada. But, um, you know, I, and both in, you know, the quick kills always the best. Right. So if you got a headshot, like I'm absolutely preferring to take that. Okay. Um, but you know, I've dropped people like potato sacks and other ways too.
0: Yeah. Uh, what's, what was your preferred caliber?
1: So I only actually carried one weapon throughout the whole entire deployment. So I had a, I had a knight's armor at three Oh eight. Uh-huh. Um, and I carry that because, uh, for that deployment, typically how we would operate as snipers was we would actually, our camouflage was to dress like regular infantry. So I would wanted to carry a black gun with a little bit further capability. So I just dressed down really. And that, <clears throat> the type of firefights we would typically get in, like I didn't want five rounds in a bolt gun. Like I wanted 20 rounds in a magazine. Uh-huh. So I carried that thing the whole deployment and i think we took a 50k out one time didn't end up using it for that patrol and we would usually use it on overwatch uh but as far
0: as like out going out it was just that that hmm. black gun 308 and ballistically you know as far as the round is concerned are you looking at uh, fmjs or ballistic tips
1: uh yeah it's the fmj the m118 okay round i the grain escapes me at this exact moment um but that was
0: pretty much it uh, okay i didn't know if they're like you know we choose different bullets for hunting because we want more uh devastation than than fmj causes so yeah. i didn't know like if that translated to they worked well yeah never had <laughs> <with that. laughs> right. well i guess humans probably aren't as tough as a, a bull elk uh,
1: sometimes yeah. yeah yeah
0: but um go back to the the documentary and you get out of college how did that and i imagine that documentary got you plugged in with black rifle on some level
1: yeah essentially uh which was really interesting is um when when i submitted it for the school project it everybody was like holy shit, man I, a plus what? <laughs> yeah exactly and and it had a really strong impact on everybody that I showed it to it. And everybody was like, I think, I think more people need to see this. So I kind of uploaded it to YouTube on a whim and within a week, uh, the Detroit free press had picked it up and I woke up one morning and my roommate was like, dude, your face is on the front page of USA today. And I'm like, Oh, shit. and, and that got me linked up with, um, I ended up my first gig out of the out of college was with uh Funker 530. Uh-huh. Which it was um uh Combat Blog essentially. So I started uh writing for them and then the dude that was running that linked me up with Jared Taylor. Uh one of the founding guys of Black Rifle. And we all met up in Whitefish, Montana and um we were going there for um Chris Peronto was doing the book launch for 13 hours in Benghazi. And we're talking about doing a documentary about Benghazi. And it was really like one of those fellowship of the ring, like meetup type of places. Um, The guy that ended up starting coffee or die was there. Evan was there. Um, And we were all doing different things at that point, but that was the link up that got us all centrically
0: focused. Huh? Okay. Very cool. So how long have you been working for? black rifle
1: eight eight years now so 2015 it was started in december of
0: 14 yeah and i started uh july of okay. 2015 right so right after uh i don't know if you just saw me make a little note there so whenever someone cusses because this airs on the radio oh okay no it's cool i just bleep it out but i was gonna tell you andy stump was on two weeks ago oh, i bet you had to do a lot he, he set a new record <laughs> for, for beeps on a on a show i tell you what dude like, it was a. It was incredible uh, and funny you know I sent Baker a text It was like you're not gonna because I, I mark it every time and I just sent yeah. a picture of all the cuss words that he yeah. said <laughs> it was funny um, and it's weird to me so like when I listen to Joe Rogan and people are just dropping f-bombs I'm like you know I say bad words in normal everyday conversation yeah but it's foreign to me to hear it it's still jarring to, to hear it on a, yeah. on a broadcast of any kind yeah it's interesting how uh, media has changed mm-hmm um, so you're the editor in chief. Yeah, I've. What I, is your What is your job description?
1: Yeah, I don't really have a succinct job description uh-huh. uh, at the moment. But when I first started, I was essentially like I was holding a camera and doing social media. You mm-hmm. know what I mean. And as the company grew, I was I was able to kind of expand in my role in that. And um, the last title I was holding was um, VP of branding, and I was able to make partner shortly after that. So um, still super. Centric and and heavy on the media side of things doing the podcast developing video Mm -hmm. content Um, But what I'm kind of really getting my rocks off on right now is is kind of these these types of media that um, are bigger projects that I know can have um, a really big positive reach on our community and we we break down BRCC content uh inform inspire and entertain and so i really try and focus on like what types of media can we do that encapsulates all three of those things in one fell swoop Mm -hmm. um that can have the most meaning for our audience and 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 really have a positive impact on them
0: so going back like all the all the funny yeah i don't know three minute videos and stuff that you guys will post on social media you're the mastermind mastermind behind a lot of that
1: I wouldn't say mastermind behind all of it, um, but between Jared and Matt and myself and Evan um, and as it's evolved, like it's, it's really a cool brain collective within Mm -hmm. there, which someone could say one line and then that triggers a thought in one of our heads. That's like, and it's really like the snowball effect of developing stuff. You know, I think the, for me, the, Really, the first thing that really exploded was uh, on the Black Rifle side of things, kind of Matt, Matt has his channel, and then, you know, we would develop stuff for Black Rifle was um, the Christmas Steel video. Uh-huh. So I was like running around with cameras for that and picking the music for it and figuring out like Jared was like, here's how you have to play this song, you know, and he was going up there with a metal clanker and like playing it on the steel and then Matt and Evan would have to shoot it and then I'm rolling cameras on four different cameras and and doing all this stuff and then I did the editing on that whole video and that thing had... Ten million views a couple of weeks later, you know. So yeah. it's and then sometimes like I'm doing nothing but writing, or sometimes I'm doing nothing but filming or editing, and and so it's really just kind of this uh, Swiss Army knife,
0: yeah, type of role. But you actually use your college degree in your everyday job. Yeah, you know, I there's few of us. I mean, I do too. Yeah, I got a it's, degree it's, in radio, TV, film.
1: It's weird because everybody, you know, all in not saying that. I really love the way that uh, collegiate education has gone now, and I I don't think that is, you is, need I that.
0: thought it was called indoctrination. So. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, there's, and believe me, I had uh, disagreements with uh, just about every single one of my professors. It's a very liberal environment, yeah. And but that the centric uh, elements of what I was doing during my degree course was this really weird time in social media when it was evolving in this really unique, interesting way. I literally did a school project on how ISIS was using Twitter to recruit people. Hmm. Um, The teachers were like, you're what you're doing what? But for (laughs) me being able to look at that um, and analyze that for school, I'm like, this is pretty rad, Mm -hmm. you know? And, but that got me so ready to do the job that came at black rifle And especially, you know, I think outside of generating unique media pieces, the only way to do social media is to evolve with it because it changes so often and they're all copying each other. And Mm. much to my dismay, you know, like right now, everything is going to reels and vertical content because TikTok's there and like, everybody's just copying it. And it's really annoying more than anything Mm. else. Um, But like, what choice do you really have outside of adapting and figuring out what's going to get the most amount of eyeballs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's a double edged sword for me because like before I started this show, this business, I was not on Facebook and I made fun of all my friends. I was like, you're a douche. Get off that stuff. You know? Yeah. And then as soon as I started my own company, I was like, Oh gosh, now you gotta i to get it. on freaking social media. Yeah. But it's not a level playing field for me. I mean, my content is so suppressed. Like I've had, The same number of followers ever since the twenty twenty election, and it's like Instagram just went. You have one hundred and forty five thousand followers. No, now I've lost followers actually. Yeah. And they just like turned the faucet off. Yeah. Then they deleted my page for a month. Yeah. And then I know some good people that were able to get it back for me. Yeah. Uh, But there wasn't any reason for it to go away. Just I was sitting in the duck blind, take a picture of my dog, gonna post it on my story. Here's my, you know, my great duck dog. Blah blah. And I just don't have a page anymore. Well, so
1: it, like Zuckerberg <laughs> was just on Rogan, right?
0: Yeah. And Rogan asked
1: him point blank, like, is shadow banning a thing? And he danced around the question. Mm-hmm. But if you read between the lines on there, he's like, essentially, yes. They, yeah. they yeah. are suppressing certain types of content. And it's like, well, this is bullshit. Like, this is very anti-American. And this shouldn't be allowed. Um, and, you know. But it is. It is. And you look at Parlour and what transpired with that and i think that i think that predominantly a lot of americans like they're i think we're pretty hungry for something new to come about but and, they have so much money and like
0: and if there's anything that can compete they just buy it
1: yes yes so we'll we'll see but i think within the next two years i think we'll see something pop up that Dude, um, i can't
0: i can't wait yeah because my page was growing like man it was like on fire and then all of a sudden it's just like oh 145,000 followers 200 likes yeah like how does that even make sense yeah but you know it's the only sandbox we can play in right now yeah
1: we're we're playing their game Mm -hmm. right and
0: you guys make a ton of gun content i don't know if you but you're probably so big that i don't know if it matters uh or if you've seen you know behind the scenes because you run a lot of that stuff or have yeah if if it's been suppressed
1: there's definitely like in each platform's different Mm -hmm. right um I, I really enjoy, like, I have to look at these platforms. Like YouTube is, is like what I still use on a regular mm-hmm. basis. Um, but you see it like if I tag black rifle on a post now, like my personal reach just is completely flattened, mm-hmm. which is really disappointing. Cause it's like, man, I put a lot of time, energy into developing this thing over the last 8 years and now it just goes away because of what? Because you don't like what we're saying mm-hmm. and our
0: ideas and philosophy on how to live as an American? Right. What did you think uh I don't know if you saw but like driving into where I live did you see any Beto signs? They're there. I'm just was curious. Like. I, I didn't
1: I didn't see any no but um like, it's, I don't understand it. And, well, no, it's, it's weird. And, um, like it's even in Bernie where I live, like I was driving through downtown and I saw a Beto or how you say his name. I was like, Robert Francis, how is this even happening? Yeah. Um, we actually, we, we never released it, but we filmed, uh, we filmed a video where we, uh, one of our guys played, Beto <laughs> and his role in it. <laughs> we um we were planning on doing a deep fake of it but the technology wasn't there at the time and i thought he was just gonna Go drift off into ether but he's
0: coming back No, he's like herpes or something <sighs> yeah, that texans keeps, can't get rid of just keeps coming yeah. Just keeps coming yeah we're gonna take a quick break here logan we'll come back and i want to get into how hunting has changed your life and you know recent memory here i think you would even say it's made you a better person so We'll talk about that and uh, some of your adventures in the field, among other things. That segment brought to you by none other than Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee company. Veteran owned and operated like my good friend Logan here. They've got a roast for you. Whether you like light, medium, dark, uh, whether you want uh, ground coffee, beans, or a K-cup, you got you covered. And, of course, the unapologetic Second Amendment pro-America swag that we've all come to know and love. And you'll save 20% with that promo code Lone star 20 when you check out at BlackRifleCoffee.com. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show.
1: Well, the wife and the kids and the dogs are gone. I can't get Jesus on the phone, but old Milwaukee's
0: best is my best friend. Ooh. Wow. We live in crazy times when it comes to censorship on social media. And if you're a gun owner and a hunter, and if you're proud of those things and you post about those things, then you're already on the blacklist. You're getting censored. You might not even know it. Take it from me. I had my Instagram page deleted for an entire month for no reason last year. Mm Mm-hmm. Guess what? That kind of stuff doesn't happen over at Go Wild. It's a community of people who love to hunt, fish, and cook their wild game. They also love guns. If you want to be a part of that kind of place, where you're not getting censored, where they actually promote posts with that kind of content, just go to Download Go Wild. It's a free app. I absolutely love it. You'll see me there posting every day. So come on, join the conversation at Go Wild. I'm Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch, here reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However, there's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. I am not- Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Uh, Thanks for dropping by. We've still got Black Rifle Coffee's Logan Stark here in studio with us, and we're going to get back into that conversation here in just a second. This segment, though, brought to you by Vortex Optics, who right now is offering a massive sale on all of their blaze orange apparel, hats, hoodies. Shirts, gloves, you name it. If it's Blaze Orange, they've got you covered. Oh, vests, um, all of it. And they've got a huge sale going on for Halloween. It ends on Halloween. Take advantage of that. You can find all of the Blaze Orange stuff that's on sale right there at vortexopics.com. Okay, uh, Logan, thanks for sticking around. Let's go ahead and uh, and talk a little hunting. And I don't know, you might, have, you might have shot a person before you ever shot an animal. I have no idea. I did, yeah. You did? Yeah. So I don't, I can't, I don't know if hunting would have the same appeal to me after, after hunting humans, if it would, if it would be, if I'd enjoy it as much after having something so visceral, like, yeah,
1: I, I, I didn't think so either. Mm -hmm. Um, but my good buddy Baker Levitt, um, he was like, you got to come to Africa, like come experience this, see what it's like. And, I went hunting there and I remember coming back and sitting by the fire pit at the lodge. And I looked down at my boots and they're just dirty and covered in blood. And I was like, man, this is, it's the closest thing that I've experienced since leaving Afghanistan. Um, And it, like it was switch on Uh and it, I started to really analyze that. I'm like, man, you got to do. Because so much preparation goes into hunting, both mm-hmm. on the gear side, on the training side, on the admin side, on the logistics side, right? Like, it's it's mission prep. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize that I had been missing that side of things. and then, And then that all leads to that split-second moment that we all know if you're a hunter, like, that split-second moment is magical. And that split-second feels like a lifetime in there. And it is a feeling uh, very much unlike anything else that you'll experience in life. And I got to experience that magical moment again. And ever since that, I have not stopped doing it because it tapped into something that I need as a human now uh, that I didn't know existed there before. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And then you start getting deeper down the rabbit hole and you're like, Oh, well, my diet is so much better since doing this and, um, I feel better. Mm-hmm. And you just become a hunter and it is such a good thing. I think because I took it out of myself. Um, I'm like in, in some of those dark was like, because people have such a short memory, they don't care about your deployments anymore. Like, you know, I was watching Tucker last night and that bear attack. That's mm-hmm. all over the yeah to the, uh, the college wrestlers. I've been
0: DMing with that guy on Instagram. They're going to come on the show. Yeah. Um, absolutely incredible,
1: heroic incident. And I was watching that and I was thinking, I was like, man, did did Fox News have like Marines and soldiers on the show? Like mm-hmm. after getting in a major battle and, and getting injured and it I, like, I don't know. I wasn't watching national news then, but I, I didn't. I don't think there was, Right. You know, I don't, I don't think that that was a normal thing for, for people to look at those humans as heroes, you know, and it's, it kind of falls upon us to put that back into the public awareness, you know, and I get really frustrated with how veterans are perceived in American society today, because from my perspective, and maybe this isn't correct with everybody, but like it mostly feels like there's pity and there's like, oh, I'm sorry you had to go through that. And it's like, no, like we feel like we were living our best lives when we were doing that job and mm-hmm. we did it because we raised our right hand to protect this thing that we love and we cared about it so much. We wanted to do the hardest job that there was in the military, in society, like uh, protecting this thing that's called... a the United States of America, like to me, there was no greater occupation that you could participate in. And after I got back, I was like, well, okay, well, what was I fighting for and what is this American soil all about? And I personally believe that there is no greater way to understand American soil and uh, have an appreciation for it than hunting it has led to so many great things in my life. I meet so many great Americans because of this
0: hobby that we get to participate in. And then there's one side that wants to suppress it and be like, hunting's terrible. You shouldn't do that. And yeah. they don't even look at the science, not take the science out of it, or the fact that like we fund... The places where they want to go eat their granola and go on their little hike and everything, like we pay for that. And and you're welcome. And we don't ask for a thank you, much like you didn't ask for a thank you for your service. Uh, We don't care. Like, but. Don't try to take that away for yeah. no reason. Yeah, <laughs> like and and just because you don't like it, live and let live, right? Yeah, yeah, and like you can't. How I just
1: don't understand how you cannot look at the positives on the conservation side of things. Like I just did pronghorn in Colorado, and I went down the rabbit hole on numbers of pronghorn, and like mm. man, I love pronghorn. I love eating it. Like oh yeah, I had my first backstrap this so summer, good. and it's one like, of the best i was like i think i might like pronghorn better than elk oh man okay i guess this is gonna be a (laughs) yearly thing now you know and i don't quote me specifically on numbers but i think it was like at one point the number of pronghorn had like gotten down to like two thousand or something like it was was super low and now there's hundreds of thousands of them i believe um i'm like that's amazing like it's such an amazing animal like it it inspires me to like learn about these things Mm -hmm. and, and why they're they have evolved the way that they are. Um, and it it makes you connect with the history of this country, have an appreciation for it. It makes you want to learn about Theodore Roosevelt and what he did. And then that
0: inspires you like,
1: well, how can he I like... He killed
0: bears with a knife. You, That's like, what he did. <laughs> he's, he's, he's like my favorite. And then he like... just let, you know, then he would in, in the White House just beat the crap out of a, a buddy and vice versa with sticks. I know. Stick I wish, fighting. I wish we could have a... <laughs> Theodore Roosevelt. Look at our president got, today. I know. And imagine that comparison. <laughs> I don't comparison. think he could swat a fly oh, if he really God. wanted to, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I, I drove to, I did a nine-day uh, archery elk hunt in Wyoming in late September. And just going back to the pronghorn thing, starting in the Texas panhandle through New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, pronghorn the whole way. I mean, it, you know, not nonstop, but you saw them in all, every state we yeah. went through and uh, from a like conservation standpoint, like what a success story.
1: Yeah. I, I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't find a lot of joy out of driving through Wyoming. Um, but man, you drive through Wyoming and you're like, there's just pronghorn everywhere. And yeah. I always like, as I've been to like, I, I've been keeping track. I've been to like 27 different cities in America this year. And I, find these, like, little things that you get to pick out. And, then like, oh, you always just look for life. Like, mm-hmm. where is life in America? And you drive through, and it's, like, it's everywhere. It's so cool to see. And it's, it, especially when you can take that thing and put it on your table and essentially, like, make it a part of you. Mm-hmm. And those animals are going to die no matter what. Everything dies. Everything dies. But I get to take that animal that can sprint faster than any land animal in North America. And I get to make that muscle, my muscle. And that thing becomes a part of me. And for me as an American, where I currently said, like there is no greater reward than that exact thing.
0: Mm -hmm. So uh, you're the first person that's ever put it like that, but, uh, that's pretty, that's a pretty good comparison. Very cool. Um, you went to Alaska Mm -hmm. recently. I'm jealous. That's very high on the bucket list i haven't done it yet um what were you hunting there we
1: uh we did brown bear and then it was uh open season on wolf as well
0: Mm -hmm. and so you got a brown bear got a brown bear shot a wolf oh nice yeah i that stuff appeals to me things not so much wolves people aren't worried about wolves killing them you know it's very very rare that wolves actually attack people but bears attack people all the time all the time and i like the thrill of matching wits with things that can possibly kill me. It's <laughs> kind of a weird thing, but uh, yeah. a lot of us are wired like that.
1: Yeah. There's, there's two things that really stuck out to me in Alaska. One is that the terrain is so much different than mm-hmm. you'll see anywhere in the lower 48. Like it really just feels like a different planet. And, The second thing is something that happened to me that hadn't happened on any of the previous hunts. And I I think it was partly a direct result of, you know, hunting something that can kill you, Mm -hmm. um, and is way higher than you on the food chain. Um, and so the way that, uh, went with, um, there's three of us that had tags out there and we were all hunting together and we were making this big giant J hook on This large brown bear, and we had to essentially get to our spot and beat it there, right? And I remember running through these alder bushes and through creeks, and I had this feeling of like in that moment, I was tapping into like this ancestral primal self. And it is so hard to describe this feeling, uh, but I felt tapped into something that I've never felt before and like it made me so happy to be alive and the rush and the feeling of that pursuit um, is something that I think every human should experience at some point uh, because it really levels the playing field as what it means to be a human and to participate in our food chain and understand that the you know what what death is all around us at Mm -hmm. any given moment and to to be confronted with that in in a specific moment when you're hunting something of that magnitude um is unlike anything else Mm -hmm. you can possibly experience
0: um i've killed three black bear and one of them was in a tree with dogs i didn't really get that feeling on that one yeah put the two out of a tree stand where they were a lot closer and I, I kind of felt that, but Cape Buffalo was the only thing that I've ever hunted where I was like, wow, this could really mess me up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah there's something about like stalking a Cape Buffalo. I yeah. want to do it next with my bow. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty, pretty intense.
1: Yeah. There, there's something there, right? Like when, when it's called the black death
0: for a reason. Yeah.
1: When, when you understand that it can go South in a, in a bad way, really quick,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you have to, be so sharp in every single element of what you're doing. Like all your senses are firing at one specific time and you understand, uh, that true survival instinct and how to handle fear and and actually take fear and use it to work for you. Uh, the first time that I had experienced that while hunting was, we did an alligator hunt down in Louisiana Mm. and I was with a very shysty Cajun, uh, and, and when I say shysty, he was he, he was a he was a as good old boy as good old boy gets. Right, and so we took a bunch of. I was down there with a bunch of combat wounded guys, and we they did the bait over a hook, you know, the uh-huh. old stinky chicken, um, and <clears throat> I just helped the first day and the second day. It's like downpouring rain, and and we pull up to the dock, and my Cajun guy is like. I Elbow that tool out there, too, oh, right, oh, there. Why right. do you just go there shoot him, you know? And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know, I, it's downpouring. Uh, that thing's about 35 yards away, and I'm using a 22 with a red dot. Um, so yeah, all right, okay, let's do it. And then as I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm sitting down and I'm, I'm propped up on my knees, and he just goes, like, you know, you're gonna have to go in there and get it, oh boy. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I didn't, I registered it, but I didn't really think about what that meant. I don't think because I was so just in my sights. Uh-huh. And so I took a shot and I like, I really took my time with that. Um, just because of the conditions, but I plugged it. He's like, I right, Boba, go get him!" And so I swim out into the canal and there was two when I shot this one. So I knew there was another one around somewhere. <laughs> Uh, it was one of the more sketchy things I've done in my life. Uh, Uh, but so it didn't pop up to the surface. So I'm in this muck water up to my, like, it was mid thigh that I was in. And I'm just doing the butterfly swim motion, just hoping mm. to feel this thing under the water. And it was terrifying. And that like. I reached my brain reached this point where it was just like the most amount of fear where it was just like, get out of the water. What are you doing? And then I just, I overcame that in in a way that it just like, I shut that off and Uh it had happened to me before in combat. But you, you figure out a way as a human to, to ignore that um, in order to complete a mission. And, so I'm searching around and it felt like forever that I was in that water and I've, the videos up on my Instagram, but I'm moving back and forth and zigzagging in this water. And then of course, you know, he just, and he's filming the whole thing. he's like, it's right there. It's right there. I'm like, where is there, dude? Where is there? And it was right behind me. So I turn around and I just see this rolling alligator. And I'm like, oh, okay, here we go, you know? And like, you, like, you, you can't be scared in that moment because like, what are you going to do? Right. Like, how is fear going to help you at all in that situation? And so like, I kind of just start doing this thing where I like, kind of quickly reach out underwater and I'm like, I was, I was, if I hadn't have been as confident in my shot as I was, I definitely wouldn't have like been trying to touch this thing. But like, it, it calmed down enough to where I was able to grab its leg And like, I don't know why, but I instinctually was like, I want to lift this thing out of the water to see if it reacts. So I just like pick it up and hold (laughs) it over my head. Uh, And it was about a, I think it was like a seven and a half footer. So it wasn't a huge alligator, but I hold this thing over my head and he's just like, Oh, you did it. You know, (laughs) but like hunting those reptiles, man. And we went out and we got, uh, we got crispies later, uh, on, on bait. And we had to bring that thing, and we just attached it to the boat. We had to bring that thing back in the boat three times and shoot it again (laughs) and stab it. And I was like, if I had had that experience Uh before I shot mine outside of the water, I would have never, never done it.
0: Yeah. I, I didn't have that prolonged experience when I shot. I shot my first alligator outside of Houston years ago. Now I wear them around. I got boots made out of them. It's pretty cool. Uh, but the outfitters were kind of messing with me. They were like, all right, you know, pull them in. It was on bait and hook. So I start pulling him. He's like an eight and a half foot gator. and I have a 10 millimeter pistol and I go to shoot him and I slip and I'm going down now into the water with the alligator. And they're just laughing. And I'm like freaking out for a second, you know, like I gather, get get it together and get out of the water and then able to get him out and shoot him but you know I was in the water with the Gator and just like wow that was a little sketchy for a second there uh the, but I think the most fear I've ever experienced on a hunt was the dog I had before this one fell through the ice on a duck hunt in Oklahoma and uh she was in the water for like 10 minutes jeez couldn't get out and you know I actually was keeping her off of the ice and we had a little open area where we had like an ice heater it was so cold and I was sending her in there to get the ducks. And I got out of the blind to take a leak. And when that happened, they shot like three mallards. And I didn't see where they fell. And so I told Belle, I was like, Belle. And I sent her, and she goes and went out onto the ice because that's where one of them had fallen. I didn't see it, and she fell through. And I ended up having to get naked and go in there and get her. And I remember, I don't remember feeling any pain or really even feeling cold. But by the time I got back you know things were starting to like it was hard to move mm-hmm. and I was, I was in that moment I was like this is how people die you know like yeah. but what are you gonna do you're gonna let your dog die and go home and tell your kids oh sorry dad's an idiot and Bell is no longer here yeah I was like no I'm gonna go in there and get my dog and and then like a week later a guy died going to get his dog in the same situation uh, but that was real fear it ended up being fine they they fortunately were we weren't hunting like a public lake where the truck was miles away. So they brought the truck up, turned the heat on, and I ran and jumped in there. You know, yeah. and the dog was, fu- she was just, it didn't even phase her. Yeah. But
1: yeah. Well, that, and I think it's really important that we know the effect that adrenaline has on
0: us. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. <clears throat> and I think everybody's going to reach a point in their life at some time where they like have a huge adrenaline dump. And yeah, you, you got to understand the effects. Of what that's going to have to you how long that lasts so like if you're in a situation where you're in a super cold environment and you're like oh weird i'm fine mm-hmm. but like you're not going to be fine in about 45 minutes right. and so like how, how do you make sure that your heart is still beating after the fact right because you can't control that you can't control when that adrenaline dump happens mm-hmm. it, it just does and it is a drug that you have to be able to manage properly in certain types of environments.
0: Mm-hmm. I I didn't even fire my bow in Wyoming this year, but this conversation has brought me back to the place where I came to full draw and this six by six was pushing these two cows. It was in the evening. It was like, I was headed back to camp. I bugled one more time. Boom, this guy fires off below me. So I get down and gonna go side hill to him to make sure that the wind isn't screwing me and he pushes the cows up above me and they come and I could shoot this cow broadside at 35 yards. No problem. But I know the bull's behind. Me. I seen the bull. Yeah. And I was at full draw for like two minutes, but the whole two minutes was just pure adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even end up shooting because the cows eventually looked at me and smelled me. You know, they they had seen me, but they didn't know what I was. Mm-hmm. They, they, once they winded me, they pushed him back, and it, you know it was church. But for two minutes, I was like, you know, wow, this is this is life right here. This is what living is all about. Yeah, yeah, intense.
1: Well, especially with bow shooting, like you know, you can sit in your backyard and you can shoot a ton of arrows and make sure you're accurate. Um, but as far as preparation goes, like that's not how you're gonna. I feel nothing. You're gonna, you're gonna shoot my bow, right? Nothing. Like, that's not how your body's going to feel when you get to the moment where you have to take a shot and you know, so like are you like sprinting right before you take a bow shot, you know, in your preparation planning and it's like you don't get to that point unless you begin this process of hunting, you know, like and like that's what I love is because hunting is like it's made me a better human. Mm -hmm. It, It for sure has because it leads to all these uncomfortable situations that you have to figure out how to properly execute on and you can take that and reformat that in a ton of different ways. And like how you live your life and the everyday moments and like apply those things and like make yourself, you know, a much more qualified individual.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I would say, and I'm not like a, the uh, spitting image of what physical fitness looks like, but I go to the gym. I, you know, stay healthy, stay active, like to lift weights a lot. The driving factor behind that is can I get this elk off this mountain? you know, Or can I hang this tree stand by myself? Whatever it is. you know. But if you just let yourself go and just eat McDonald's every day, yeah, kind of we packed out my buddy's elk three miles. Our packs weighed, being in the military, I mean you've probably laughed at this, but uh, 104 pounds was the first load when we went back and got the rest the next day. My pack weighed 104 pounds. I was like, that was pretty pretty rough for me for three miles yeah that's a small human but like the, but the, we did it and it, you know what i felt afterwards like a freaking badass yeah yeah
1: <laughs> and like you're gonna that those moments are gonna stay with you for the rest of your life oh, like yeah. those types of hardship that i most of america never puts themselves in anymore yeah r- leads to a comfortable society that honestly makes fat and happy poor decisions in life
0: no doubt let's knock out our last break real quick Uh, we'll come back and get into uh, maybe some hunting camp pranks among other things that segment brought to you by all seasons feeders and blinds and and the good folks over at stealth camp we'll be right back on the Lone star outdoor show I don't mind things that don't
1: matter these days Spend the worrying, never pays, down the leaves changing some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there at silencer central we have another favorite it's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use e-forms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started.
0: Cable here, and if you're like me, you probably enjoy bold flavors and cuisines. And nobody does Cajun and Creole better than Chris's Specialty Foods in Frisco. Their forte includes specialty sausages, boudins, and andouille, pre-cooked soups, gumbos, and sides where all you have to do is heat it up. What about high-quality steaks, smoked and fried turkeys, turduckins, and turducken rolls for the holidays, plus gift boxes. Storefront conveniently located off Dallas Parkway in Frisco, or shop online at chrissspecialtyfoods.com and have it delivered to your door. Did you know that Orvis has been family owned since its inception in 1856? Think about that. Uh, They also donate 5% back to protecting nature. Orvis and his customers have raised and donated more than $20 million to protecting nature over the past 25 years. They continue to grow a community of outdoorsmen and women with classes focused on everything from fly fishing to wing shooting and hunting dog handling from basics all the way to advanced. And don't forget about their unique fly fishing and wing shooting trips all over the world. Orvis, proudly American-made fly-fishing gear since 1856. I started drinking much too early It led me astray It doesn't matter if I was 13 There's a good friend, Mark David Manders. Swing low, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg. Thanks for being here. We've still got Black Rifle Coffee's Logan Stark in studio, and we'll get back into that conversation in just a sec. This segment, though, brought to you by the NUMA Pathfinder Pant. Uh, Let me tell you, and I'm not exaggerating, this is the best hunting pant I've ever worn. It doesn't get snagged by... Burrs, barbed wire. I mean, it's some something how they however they made it. It's like snag proof. And it's the most comfortable pant I've ever worn. Especially in that, well, I'm just gonna put it bluntly, in the crotch area. Uh it's breathable, flexible. It's just a badass pant. You can find the Pathfinder at Numaoutdoors.com and save twenty percent off with that promo code Lone star 20 at checkout. Oh, and it's guaranteed for life. So a little cherry on top for you. Uh, okay, well, let's get back into it with Logan, who was nice enough to stick around. So uh, pranks are a big part of hunting camps. Hmm. And you guys at Black Rifle look like you have a lot of fun. So, And it could have been Alaska or any other place, but what's the best prank that you've either played on someone or had oh. done to you in hunting camp? God, I wish I would have had this question before so I could have like really thought about this one. <laughs> I
1: don't know. Nothing's coming. Well, to me.
0: Last time I went to Africa, I put a, uh, well, my buddy put the coin purse from his red hearted beast in my bed, like the nutsack. Mm. And I just, you know, got in bed. It's like, what is that? Slimy? What is that? And okay. then, so the next day he got a freaking cactus in his bed. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. I, I thought of one way you were saying that,
1: um, I didn't do this, but, uh, there was a story I heard, uh, well, I was pronghorn honey this year, that um, somebody got a elk vagina sandwich. Um, <laughs> and they never thought that the person uh, would not notice that that was in their sandwich, uh, but they did not. Um, but they did figure out exactly what it was really quickly. Um, and I was like... Cooked at least? Or uh, No, it was just wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They swallowed it before they knew? They got a bite in. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah, intense. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I wanted to ask you about tattoos. So do you guys, and so many, you know, especially it seems like special ops guys just have a sleeve two, maybe more. Do those occur while you're in the military or when you get out? Are they, is it say I'm a badass or this is kind of our, our thing that we have that, you know, kind of, you, you know, another, another veteran when you see based off of that ink or or are these battle scars or is it some combination of both
1: um it's it's a combination of things um i i feel like everybody has tattoos now i've uh, one i'd I get another one i just don't know what to get yeah um so for me personally i think like i'm always looking to like have these um the kind of the most extreme experiences in life mm-hmm. and um in a way You almost you're not addicted to pain, but you understand um, that it's important to have in your life in some way, shape, or form. Um, And so there is like this: oh, I I I feel like I need to deal with this, or like I need to experience that because I I need to remind myself of of what it's like to experience that, and that's that's part of the um, number of why I have so many. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me. Uh have you ever seen the movie memento?
0: Oh yeah. Uh it's is that Guy Pierce? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have the D V D somewhere in this Yeah. House, but, so yeah.
1: so he, like in that movie it's like he has um short term memory loss or whatever it's called. Um so he like has these tattoos all over his body to like piece together his life. Um and it's not exactly that for me, but <clears throat> every single one of my tattoos is a deep reminder of something that has happened in my life that's like hey this is so important that you can't let go of this like you cannot not touch this on a daily basis so Mm -hmm. it is a constant reminder for me to live my life a certain way
0: and to remember certain things Mm -hmm. okay um as we're wrapping up here you primarily like to bow hunt or rifle hunt these days
1: Um, I'm not one of those guys that's like one or the other. Yeah, me too. Um, You tell me the
0: season and I'll,
1: I'll bring the weapon that's appropriate. For me, it's, uh, a maintenance of, um, competency. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously being a scout sniper, like I'll never not use a rifle. Like I love rifle hunting. It's, uh, it,
0: Still shoot a three hundred eight, or what do you? What's your favorite?
1: Um, so I used a three seventy five Ruger on the Brown Bear hunt in Alaska.
0: That's what I shot my buffalo with. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, it's like you know, it's the tried and true round, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I've six <clears> five <throat> Creed has has been a staple for a while Um, there's
0: so many great memes though about the six (laughs) five
1: yeah it's funny like every place that i go uh every single guide is uh uh,
0: they hate the six five creedmoor well all the best trackers use the six five creedmoor that's what i
1: hear (laughs) um but like i we took evan's dad on a hunt and he was 74 when we took him on this hunt and we had uh six five with the eldx and like he took one shot in this thing and it went down in one step and it was a nice bull. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first animal that I had large big game animal that I had seen taken with a six 5 I'm like this thing, like it's, you got to hit it in the heart. Right. Like, like there's no room for error. Like yeah. you have to hit it in the heart. Otherwise it's just going to,
0: well, you're a it. sniper and I'm not. So that's why I like a 300 wind well, mag.
1: Yeah. That's when I was looking. I was like, <laughs> if a 74 year old man can do it, then I feel like anybody should be able to do it. You yeah. Know?
0: Yeah. Um, but you do like, so you do, but you do like bow hunting too.
1: Yeah. Um, the, the other side of me is, um, kind of doing this return to humanity. So I went and, um, I went to Nebraska this February. Yeah. Iowa, Nebraska Mm -hmm. and, um, I actually built a bow from scratch with Corey Hawk. Mm. Who's a fellow Marine that, uh, was on the, I think he was on the seventh season of alone. Uh huh. Um, but wait, what's his name again? Corey Hawk. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's a modern bowman yeah. and, uh, that's all he does is he, you gets, like alone? I do. Yeah, I do. It's extremely entertaining. Yeah. I think
0: I've had Roland Rockhouse guy on the show before. Oh yeah. That dude is a character. And yeah. then, uh, the guy that shot the moose and then clubbed the Wolverine, what's his name? Uh, he was, he like lived in he lived in another country with like the, the, with, with yeah, I the, think he
1: was in Siberia, wasn't Siberia. He? Yes. Yeah.
0: With like living with the reindeer and these people. And, mm-hmm. uh, what's, what's his name? name? Jonah. No. Uh, but anyway, those two opposite ends of the spectrum, one of the real quiet and reserved and Roland's all in your face and just to, you know, I think he's like the man's man, you know, yeah. full of toxic masculinity, as yeah, people like yeah. to say these days, which there's nothing toxic about masculinity. By no, all. it's, um,
1: there's not at all. Uh-huh. I think we need more of it. But so you went and built a bow with this guy. Yeah, I built a, a bow from scratch. It's Hackberry and we did it in two days, uh-huh. um, didn't use any mechanical tools at, at all outside of um, we were just pressed for time on that, that final sanding um, and Corey took a quick sander just to polish it up real quick. But mm-hmm. uh, we did the strings, built it all, built it to our personal specifications. And so that's, that's my uh, next mission is to, to get something with that. Right on. And, but you, have you
0: killed something with a the compound then? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay.
1: um, two elk, that pronghorn. Um
0: Impala, nice. Probably missing a couple. I took there, my right? bow to Africa okay. last year for the first time and got uh, an, a shot in eland. Not that one in there, but another one, uh, a sable and a Kalahari springbuck. And I'm taking the bow back, dude. I'm like, it's such a target-rich environment. Like you could go, like spend nine days in Wyoming, only come to full draw one time, not get an elk. That's yeah. okay. Go to Africa, come to full draw every day. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I think such a target-rich environment. Yeah, it is, and I,
1: you know, I don't really understand. I'm super new to the hunting community, but I don't, I don't understand this uh, trad versus compound conversation. It's like I want to be good with every weapon I possibly can, because Mm -hmm. if the worst case scenario happens, like you're not gonna get to like choose which one you go hunting with. You know, you're gonna have whatever the best tool for the job, and if the best tool for the job is a recurve bow, like you better know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of my personal philosophy. And like, I, I want to know, like, I would love to kill something with a spear someday. Like right. Why, why wouldn't you do that? Because if the sh- hits the fan, which increasingly more and more, it seems like that's a possibility. I want to like have experience and being able to do that successfully.
0: Yeah. Uh, like Tim Wells is always pushing the envelope on killing with spears and a dart, you know, blow darts and stuff. I don't know if you follow his page, but Mm-mm. you should if you if you haven't. He's yeah. probably the best bow hunter in the world, I would say. And he's an instinctive shooter. He he shoots uh, a compound, but no, he doesn't have any sight on it or anything like that. Uh, just shooting geese out of the sky. You know, one of his earliest That's videos awesome. is in Alaska, and he's stalking up on this brown bear, and it stands up and looks at him. Right between the eyes. Yeah. With the bow. Pretty intense. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I got a, I got an air gun recently. Oh, nice. um, and I was like, what is this ridiculousness? And then I was like, oh, wait. what? what caliber? Uh, it's thirty cal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right on. And you don't really, th- you're like, oh, it's a pellet gun. But then you shoot that thing a couple times. And um, Jake Gregson, uh, one of the guys that works over at Utah Air Guns, uh, he was like, I've shot uh, groundhogs out to 200 yards with this thing. I was like, what? Really? Like, that's an awesome <laughs> capability to have in your truck. And also, you
0: don't, you know, yeah. it's not a registered firearm. So, that's cool, too. So, are you going to hunt Axis deer in your backyard with your bow that you made with your own bare hands?
1: Uh, yeah, that's kind of, you know, I I was going back and forth because I'm like, oh, is it too easy? Um,
0: no, no, you made the bow with your hands. Yeah, Do it. Yeah,
1: I think it's got to happen.
0: Yeah. Um, well, man, I appreciate you. Well, you
1: got to let me get one plug in here. Oh, as many plugs uh, as you want, dude. So the, I'm doing this like big media tour right now, leading up to, um, this event we're doing, but
0: well, maybe that's why you're here
1: (laughs) in a way. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, a group of us are doing, uh, we're going to break a world record, do seven skydives in all seven continents. Uh, is Andy part of that? Yeah. Okay. Andy's in on it. Um, Andy and Mike Sorelli were just on Rogan's podcast and they went into it too. But, um, so we're, we're attempting to break this world record for folds of honor Uh and folds of honor is a nonprofit that (laughs) gives funds to gold star families. Um, Uh both of individuals that were killed in combat and then also first responders now too. So, um, we're trying to raise, uh, well, it's seven jumps, seven continents and we're raising $7 million for folds of honor.
0: Wow. Is there, like, how quickly are you doing this? Is it, like, one every day or something, or...?
1: Yeah, that's... So, the goal is to do it in seven days. Okay. Logistically, it's barely possible. uh uh-huh. um, And part of me kind of hopes that we don't, because it's, like, such a cool thing. I want to, like, enjoy the process of going to the seven continents, too. Like, skydiving into Antarctica is going to be epic. right? And, you know, I would... Uh, i just feel like you want to spend more than 24 hours in Antarctica, you know, just to see what that's like. Um, but I think it's really unique because, um, not too often do you get to participate in something where the after effects are going to last decades. Mm. Um, because like we were kind of getting into it before people have such a short memory and you know, the families affected by people who are killed in the line of duty. Like that's like, there may be guys, you know, I had dudes we lost in Afghanistan that had newborns and like those kids are going to be coming to age where they're going to need funds for college or whatever they want to do. Uh, 18 years from, from when it happened, you know? And so like, this is something that will reverberate decades to come, which is why I'm so excited to go do it because it's, it's one of those things that's going to have a pretty lasting effect on, on America for a while.
0: Absolutely. I'm a big fan of uh, Folds of Honor for sure. Um, seven million million, seven seven jumps, maybe seven days. Seven that condoms. would be a pretty sleep-deprived undertaking if y'all did it in the seven days. Did you really go a whole week without uh, food or sleep in sniper training?
1: Um, it was like two hours of sleep a uh-huh. night. I think something like that. And no food? Uh, we would get like... The first three days, we got an MRE, Uh and
0: then the rest was like nada. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I can't relate to that. Probably the closest thing would be like going on an Adderall bender, (laughs) studying for college exams. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's... um, Well, that's like... That's when exam week yeah that's when we like learn about ourselves right like and, and that was you know an, another huge reason of why I wanted to join the military it was like I wanted to test myself i want to i want to see how i react in these environments when mm-hmm. you're sleep deprived and you don't have the proper nutrition in your body like how do you how do you live then how do you act then and I know those answers now and, mm-hmm. and I have that in my back pocket and so it's a lot easier to go through life and deal with all the hardships as an American citizen. Now, um, having gone through this, these immensely difficult tasks that, you know, you've personally like someone can't make you do that. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to sign up for that yourself. Um, but it has going through the process that like it's opening a door that leads to something else that opens another door where you got to test yourself again. And when you look at life, it's climbing this big giant pyramid. A lot of people don't even get off that ground level.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, today's society—it's just we're—we uh, need some more toxic masculinity. I think, <laughs> man. Uh, it's like my kid, my son. Uh, if he was to get a trophy for playing soccer, I'd be like, "No, you you win, and you can have the trophy." And I think we've got everyone. Everyone's a winner, which. Yeah. There's winners and losers in life. And there's winners and losers in nature. I mean, it's the way the world works. Yeah,
1: yeah. And unless you like individually go pursue those things, you're you're not gonna know that, Mm -hmm. you know. I personally of am of the belief that service should be mandatory in some way, shape, or form, whether that's you want to join the military or you wanna join the Peace Corps or like why don't we have a ton of Domestic servitude where you can sign up and you can experience different parts of this country and different communities and you can, like go there with the sole purpose of helping mm. and, and making other people's lives better. Like we don't focus on that
0: it, It'd be more fulfilling and I think the the silver lining would be people would be more patriotic like Way more patriotic. People, people that live here hate this country today. Yeah, and I don't go understand to, it. Go
1: someplace else, and then you are going to come back to America. And be like, oh my god, thank God I am American. You want to
0: see racism? Go to Africa. You will see racism.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird. It's like I feel like people forget that ISIS was throwing gay people off seven-story towers. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of years ago, and like you look at what just happened in Iran. It's like America's pretty awesome. And right? Like it's like what the constitution built has provided a lot of freedom. Mm -hmm. And I think we're just too comfortable
0: in that freedom. So back to this skydiving endeavor, Mm -hmm. how can people support that?
1: Uh, Triple seven, legacy expeditions. Um, and I'll throw you the link and, uh, but it triple seven search that should pop up. Um,
0: and that all that money goes directly to Folds honor. Awesome, man. Well, thank you guys for doing that yeah it's gonna be fun a fun way to raise money yeah yeah well it's you know you need big hairy audacious
1: goals to get people's attention these days so yeah this should be something that does it and
0: if you want to give your social media outlets
1: yep just Logan Stark first last name on all of them
0: well hey I really appreciate you coming to the studio thanks for making time for us I hope to see a picture of you with a 33 inch axis buck and holding that that bow that you that you made That'd maybe be pretty not, sweet. Maybe not
1: thirty three, but it'll
0: it'll be an axis. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. trophies in the eye of the beholder. That's true. An axis is delicious. So, yeah. all right, man. Well, thanks again. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. So there you have it, Logan Stark of Black Rifle Coffee. A fascinating individual. Uh, that all the military stuff we got into, I found extremely interesting. Hope you guys did as well. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. I'm a proud member of the Dallas committee. There's a chapter, I guarantee you, in your area. Get plugged in. Do it for the Ducks. Do it for conservation. Uh, Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to Logan. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors.
1: Mighty powerful stuff. Sell it by the cake, sell it by the case. Make a couple million bucks.